coming up on Ibogaine Uncovered. It has helped me to really channel where I feel my energy is going to make the biggest contribution and to just like bring my best self without this like kind of junk like a virus running in the background, you know, my experience at the Ibogaine was like, it took the garbage out of my brain and helped me to be really operating in my peak performance, like flow state. I have really felt that way ever since I can do more. I have incredible energy. I have incredible focus and anything that's like not a match for my energy is just falling away. It's not even like I have to make effort for it. It's just not even coming into my field because I'm so aligned now with who I am and I feel okay with who I am in the world as opposed to before kind of always feeling unsafe and scared and like there's this unmet need. My name is Amanda Siebert, and you're listening to I Begin Uncovered, the podcast that explores the impact of one of the most powerful psychedelic medicines on the planet. Can I Begin really get to the root of our trauma? Join me as I ask practitioners, patients, researchers, and specialists about their experiences. Hello and welcome to Root Medicine. My name is Amanda Siebert, and in this episode, I interview Kaya Roman. Kaya is a best-selling author, service-driven entrepreneur, intrepid biohacker, producer, investor, and philanthropist living and working in Silicon Valley. Specializing in the fields of health, technology, and sustainability for 20 years, she's also been the marketing and PR muscle behind the launch of several businesses and organizations. We talk about several things in this episode, including Kaya's role in the burgeoning psychedelic industry and what drives her to try different psychedelic medicines in a space where not all involved are interested in having a personal relationship with these drugs. Kaya's relationship with biohacking is also something we unpack, and we talk about how Ibogaine fits into that relationship. Kaya also discusses the similarities and differences between her experiences with iboga and ibogaine, including how these drugs are consumed, the differences in dose, set and setting, as well as the different levels of discomfort in these experiences. Kaya shares what it felt like for her to meet herself as a four-year-old, and how that meeting led to a profound shift in safety, clarity, and authenticity for Kaya. Kaya's experience with Ibogaine might be outside of what you come to relate to this drug. It illustrates that Ibogaine can be used in more ways than helping us put an end to addictive behaviors. It illustrates that it can help us connect with the parts of ourselves that feel unsafe and aid us in releasing our attachment to storylines that keep us small. Ibogaine can give us an opportunity to upgrade. Kaya, Kaya Roman, thank you so much for being here, my good friend, and for agreeing to speak with me about your personal experience with Ibogaine. How are you doing today, and where are we speaking to each other from? Well, thank you, Amanda, so much. I'm really honored to have this conversation with you, and I'm doing great in very rainy Silicon Valley area today. I've heard. That's a little bit out of character. Thank you so much. You know, the perspective that you're about to bring to Ibogaine is one that I haven't talked about 
before on this podcast. And the neat thing is we've spent some time together in person before and after you had your experience with it. So I've been able to see some of what you're going to talk about play out in real time. So Kaya, let's start with your why. You work in the psychedelic medicine space, this new burgeoning industry where I think we can both agree that not everyone has the same level of personal experience with these substances. Now the number of Americans using psychedelics is going up. Here's an interesting fact. A new study by researchers at Columbia University found that in 2019, more than five and a half million Americans, American adults, used hallucinogens like psilocybin and LSD. That's 4% of the population. Now, here's why that's interesting. In 2002, less than 1% said they'd used a psychedelic. So that's a lot more people who are recently becoming interested in psychedelics. Now, given your role in what you do in this space, you're very much a parts mover. Why do you think it's important for you to have personal experience with psychedelic drugs Mm -hmm. like Ibogaine? Well, Amanda, I think this is something you and I have in common as storytellers, as journalists, as people who see something that can help and then want to spread the word about it. I'm sure that your book has something to do with more people and and your writing experiencing these psychedelics. But I also think it's really important to do them safely and to understand the best set and setting and container and environment and just all the things around psychedelics. So when I hear more people are having these experiences, I'm both happy and excited for the healing, but then I'm also like, oh, but are they doing it within the right container? And so for me, the Ibogaine experience was a lot about that. I work with a number of researchers and scientists and doctors who are studying these compounds and in anticipation of laws changing, bringing them out in ways that can really have profound benefits for addiction, for even things like traumatic brain injury. But it's funny, you know, a lot of these people are not having the personal experience. And so I guess I consider myself to be like a citizen scientist or, you know, a guinea pig for the industry that I feel like it's my responsibility to experience everything and then tell them, hey, this is kind of something you should consider because I had the experience and here are some things that you may not be thinking about. And also a lot of people come to me for advice. I mean, surprisingly from like my distant cousin on a farm in Nebraska messaging me on Facebook, like all kinds of walks of life. I got a text from someone the other day that was like, hey, I'm friends with the girlfriend of your accountant. And they gave me your phone number, like just all over the place of people who are looking for healing and have heard that psychedelics can be helpful. So I feel like unless I understand what all of these compounds are like, what the experience is like and how how they can be helpful, I can't really give the best advice. So I know that's a little bit of an unusual reason to try Ibogaine, but considering that so many people are struggling with addiction, and which isn't something that I identified as struggling with, but it is something that I find myself in the position of providing advice about pretty often. I wanted to experience it for myself. I love it. Now, let's get a little bit philosophical. We talked a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned it, I mentioned it, that not everyone in this space has the same experience. You know, you have scientists and folks studying these substances, but perhaps they're not interested in giving them a try themselves. What kind of value do you think a personal experience with a substance like Ibogaine provides that the knowledge of it might not? 
I have a podcast as well, Psyched, on the Women in Psychedelics Network. And I interviewed someone on my podcast who I would consider to be one of the world's top experts in Ibogaine. She's been working in the field for like 40 years. And I was shocked that she's never had an Ibogaine experience. She's helped thousands of people heal, run addiction treatment centers in countries where it's legal, and never had an experience. To me, this is a very difficult thing to understand because you can study something, you can look at it in a microscope, you can see the data on how it affects people or what the outcomes are. But until you have the personal experience, you're really missing a very key ingredient to understanding what this medicine is. So I think it's extremely important. And I mean, especially with my recent experience with Ibogaine, I think like every single person should have that experience, whether you're dealing with an addiction or not, because it's so profound and it's so healing and we all need that kind of healing. So I don't know. I'm a big fan of the personal experience. Now you've shared with me that prior to your Ibogaine experience, you weren't dealing with any major mental health conditions, that you were approaching it from kind of an upgrade perspective. This brings us to the topic of biohacking. This is something mm-hmm. I've studied a little bit and engaged in and dabbled in here and there myself. Now, what is your relationship to biohacking and how does Ibogaine fit into that relationship? Yeah, great question. I possibly came to biohacking for other reasons, although I I think a lot of people do find themselves biohacking because they're dealing with some kind of health issues. I mean, certainly Dave Asprey, who calls himself the father of biohacking, maybe he coined the term, he and I dealt with a lot of the same health issues. And we've talked about it. And it's really often a motivator for looking for how do I feel better? So I was born with an autoimmune condition. I was born with a genetic condition where my collagen is malformed. So I've lived a lot of my life with chronic pain, with (laughs) organs that need surgery to uh, stay in place, with joints that fall out of place, being allergic to like everything in my environment, all kinds of things. I've had a very interesting ride with my health. And so that just started me off at a very young age looking for solutions. When Western medicine didn't have solutions for me, I started at a very young age seeking natural and alternative treatments. So I actually, before I had an ibogaine experience, I had an iboga experience, same plant, but more the raw root bark. And remarkably, so one of the things that I have is chronic psoriasis. This is an autoimmune condition, but it's a skin condition. And in my case, it's very extreme. When it's not under control, it covers 90% of my body. And after the iboga experience, it went away completely. Now that only lasted for two weeks, but that's never happened in my life before with something natural. So I knew there was something there. And then, you know, besides the physical, like that kind of stuff, just what can this do physically for my body? I was also fascinated, like, what can it do for my brain? You know, it has such profound effects on dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, just like a brain reset. And knowing that if Ibogaine can get rid of a heroin addiction in 24 hours for people who are dealing with something so extreme... What can it do for me when I'm I'm not dealing with something so extreme, but just the general stress of life? 
Mm. So yeah, that was my perspective coming into it. Totally. That's a great question to ask. I think it's important to look at the substance in other ways. I think it's, like you said, really powerful and profound that it has this effect. And I'm excited to explore this with you and what came out of that out of that experience. So before we get to that, I want to unpack a little bit your experiences with iboga and with ibogaine. Now, iboga is the plant from which the alkaloid ibogaine is extracted. Iboga contains at least 11 other alkaloids, and the highest concentration of ibogaine is usually found in the roots of the iboga shrub. One way to think about this is sort of like ibogaine is to iboga what THC is to cannabis. Mm. So I'm wondering, Kaya, if you could explain some of the similarities and differences between those two experiences. Yes. So the difference between iboga and ibogaine for me was quite extreme. And I'm really glad that I tried both. I tried iboga first. And I mean, there's just some logistical differences. Like when you have iboga, it's raw root bark, and you have to consume a lot of it to be able to have the experience. So in my case, this raw root bark was ground up into powder, and I believe I swallowed 32 pills. So, you know, it was a lot. And it's a lot for the body to process all of that plant material. Whereas with the ibogaine, I think it was one pill. (laughs) And the settings, of course, for these two experiences were completely different as well. And my iboga, I was like in the jungle, not with a ton of support, no integration before or after the experience. And with the ibogaine, I was in this like luxurious clinical setting. I was made completely comfortable by medical staff. With the iboga, I was vomiting all night. With the ibogaine, I wasn't at all because I was given anti-nausea medicine. So just physically extremely different. However, as a citizen scientist, I guess, who just loves to like also study the experience as well as have it, there, there are, of course, certain similarities in the experience. And actually, for me, the ibogaine felt like a continuation of my iboga experience. So it, yeah, that aspect of it was very fascinating. But if I had to choose, I would always choose the ibogaine, because the iboga was extremely hard on my system. It took me weeks to recover from it, actually. Whereas the ibogaine, I felt like a million bucks the next day. I feel like I'm still energized from it. And I did it like eight months ago. Oh, no. <laughs> so that it was a very big difference in how I felt in my body afterwards. But the insights and sort of like the arc of the journey, I think there are certain similarities that most people get from this plant. And that I was really able to notice in both experiences. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I'll note quickly about the amounts. Now, this information comes from our friends over at Third Wave. I began typically, a typical dose is about 15 to 20 milligrams per kilo of body weight, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually a lot less than what is suggested for iboga. A typical dose there, depending on what's going on with you personally, is anywhere from 5 to 100 grams. So major difference there. And yeah, it could explain some of that, you know, prolonged feeling of discomfort after having Mm. such a large amount of this plant material in your body. I want to ask you a little bit about how comfort and discomfort play into these experiences. Now, I think 
in the right settings, discomfort is valuable. It helps us grow. Yeah. But how did being more comfortable, you know, less nauseous, being in a bed, having nurses around, affect the value of the experience for you? Yeah, that's such a great question. Before my iboga and ibogaine experiences, I was learning from ayahuasca. And often that experience can be uncomfortable. And I would always get that like being with the discomfort is not only part of the journey and the learning that you get from the journey, but also like a metaphor for life. Like you're going to be uncomfortable in life. How do you breathe through it? How do you surrender to it? How do you reframe the experience? How do you be okay with discomfort? And I do for sure see the value in that. And I don't think it was particularly valuable for me to feel like I was hit by a truck for two weeks after the Iboga experience. And I don't think that it was particularly valuable for me to be violently vomiting for hours and hours if it wasn't necessary. (laughs) So for me, the Ibogaine experience, because it was so gentle and I felt so cared for and I was so comfortable and I was in a setting where just like all of my needs were totally taken care of. It was, for me personally, a much nicer container for my healing at that time. You know, maybe I needed to have both. And like, I certainly have no regrets about the experiences that I've had. But I feel like, okay, I've done the super hard suffering part. Like from now on, if I ever go for that kind of treatment again, I'm going for the comfortable Ibogaine experience. Totally fair. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the insights and experiences you had during your Ibogaine treatment. Now, it's common for people in a psychedelic experience to meet themselves as children. I know this Mm. is something I experienced, this inner child work. And you shared with me that you experienced that as well, this idea of reparenting yourself. Now, what did it feel like for you to meet yourself as four-year-old you during this experience? Yeah. Well, I want to start actually back with my Iboga experience, because like Mm -hmm. I said, I felt like the Ibogaine experience was a continuation Mm -hmm. of that. And it was really interesting. And I was grateful that I didn't have to go back and revisit any of the hard stuff that I saw in the Iboga experience. But one thing that I find really fascinating that I hear really often from people with Iboga or Ibogaine is this life review experience. I call it like the ghost of Christmas past, where if you have trauma from your childhood or your life, or you've been an asshole or both, it'll take you back to those moments and make you see them, make you watch them on repeat until you get it and show you the connections between them all and kind of how they've gotten you to where you are now. And, you know, of course, if you're going into a psychedelic experience, you should do it with an intention. So whatever you're experiencing is generally attached to whatever that intention was. So for me, in the Iboga, I was surprised and not surprised that I saw and witnessed and experienced that I had some sexual trauma from my childhood. And it actually made a lot of things make sense. You know, I had this like vague memory of this older boy from when I was four years old, but I, I didn't like fully consciously remember it. And then when I saw that in that experience, I was like, oh, okay, yes, that makes so much 
of what's happened in my life since and the choices that I've made and the men that I've chosen to give my energy to and so many things make sense. So thankfully, because that was a very, very hard thing to re-experience, I did not re-experience that in the Ibogaine, but instead I met, like you said, this four-year-old girl who didn't, understandably, didn't feel safe in the world. And I realized like I had been carrying that around for 40 plus years, like not really feeling safe in the world. And that affected my nervous system and that affected everything that's that underlies everything. And so I was able to take this sweet girl in my arms as my adult self and just like stroke her and love her and just like hold her and let her know that she is safe. And I felt it like rewire my nervous system. It was like my four-year-old self integrated with my adult self and my adult self now has the knowing of my four-year-old self that I am actually safe. And that changed everything in my life. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's been super profound, actually. I need to take a moment to sit with the oh, the weight of that. I mean, I guess it's the opposite of the weight of that because you mentioned that it it, it was like a lightness a it coming, was, yeah, being released. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm. you know, I share this just like on behalf of so many people, unfortunately, who have had sexual trauma from childhood, and it impacts you for the rest of your life. So if there is any way to heal that, and if me, you know, sharing my story can help other people heal, then I share that in service. And for me, the Ibogaine was just the most profound healing in that way. And it has stayed with me every single day. I did my Ibogaine journey in July of 2022. And I feel like I have been a completely different person since then. Wow, wow. For uh, just reference, it's February 2023 right now while we're having this conversation. So I love to hear that. Now, what were you able to shift as a result of that meeting with that little girl? Did it have any impact on your mental state, on your clarity? I know that when I came home from Ibogaine, it was like Ibogaine was in my head and it was telling me, yes. hang out with that person. Don't hang out with that person. Go here. Don't go there. So oh, so much. I think it is the most clear and sharp and energized I've ever felt. And it stayed with me. And that has really helped me to channel my purpose and my mission Anyone who knows me or looks me up will be like, wow, that girl does a lot of things. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm involved in a lot of things, but it has helped me to really channel where I feel my energy is going to make the biggest contribution and to just like bring my best self without this like kind of junk like a virus running in the background, you know, my experience at the Ibogaine was like, it took the garbage out of my brain and helped me to be really operating in my peak performance, like flow state. I have really felt that way ever since I can 
do more. I have incredible energy. I have incredible focus. And anything that's like not a match for my energy is just falling away. It's not even like I have to make effort for it. It's just not even coming into my field because I'm so aligned now with who I am and I feel okay with who I am in the world as opposed to before kind of always feeling unsafe and scared and like there's this unmet need. I mean, you know, I'm human. It's not like everything's perfect, but it has been a really major shift, like a major weight lifted, but also like a major storyline that was always in the background that just is gone now. Oh, the storyline. I think this, we've, yeah, we talk about being addicted to things and behaviors, mm. but I think many of us struggle with being attached to a storyline. That's um, it. And I, your story, you know, really speaks to what can happen when we release that. You went in with the intention of biohacking and upgrading. Yeah. It sounds to yeah. me like you were able to do that. Can you reflect on that intention a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think as opposed to other people or other times I've gone into journeys that have a very specific, like, I want to get rid of this addiction or I want to heal this physical thing or... I want clarity about my purpose in life. Or, you know, it was a little bit more like, Ibogaine, show me what you're all about and do what you can for me. You know, like I, I would like to upgrade. And, and always for me, it's about how can I serve? I know that if I'm sick, if I'm scared, if I'm in a place of fear, if I'm hindered in some way, I'm not serving my children. I'm not serving the world. I'm being held back from my full potential. And all of us want to reach our full potential, hopefully, so that then we can share our gifts with the world. So that was really what I went in with the intention of, like, please, whatever healing or upgrade there is for me in my offering of service to others, please bring that to me so I can bring my best self. And I got it in spades. I mean, really, from the very next day, they say the next day is a gray day. It was not a gray day for me. I just felt like amazing, this like incredible energy and clarity and excitement and lightness and joy. I felt like I was that four-year-old little girl if that trauma hadn't happened. You know, oh, I was wow. just like light and giddy and happy and it mm. stayed with me. Yeah, it sounds like you've reclaimed that part of yourself. I think that element exactly. of play, too, is something that is a beautiful thing that can come out of these experiences. And to hold on to that can be so, so important in a life and a society that puts so much weight and pressure on us. To let go and have some fun, I think, is so vital. And I really do feel like, you know, that's been reflected in the times that I've seen you since this experience. There's a vibrance to you. It's pretty cool to see it in real life, not just on the screen um, or on <laughs> FaceTime. You. And I know that I began the medicine itself is just one part of this experience. I think one aspect of any psychedelic experience that is perhaps not often discussed, but is so, so important is integration and particularly mm, integration yeah. coaching. We talk a lot about what integration is, but I think doing integration with at least one other individual provides mm -hmm. a level of support that just is really hard to cultivate on your own and with yourself. Mm -hmm. So how valuable for you were the pre and post treatment coaching sessions? 
So extremely valuable. I was really grateful that I did my Ibogaine program at Beyond and they provide a certain number of pre-coaching sessions. And then I decided to, I felt so incredible after the Ibogaine. I was like, I want to maximize this, that I decided to continue with an integration coach for about five months. I did that. We would talk over Zoom once a week, but then we would also text like pretty much every day. And just having that partner in my life who was holding my intentions with me and then, you know, really helping me like day to day, week by week to stay on track toward those intentions. That was very key, I believe, to me being able to hold on to the benefits that I got from the Ibogaine. And integration And this is why when you mentioned all the people that are having these psychedelic experiences, I feel both happy and a little Mm -hmm. like nervous because integration is, I think, more than 50% of the experience of getting the maximum benefit out of the experience because an experience in itself can just happen in a vacuum. But if you don't take those insights and apply them into your life, or if you don't make sense of what just happened, then it can actually leave you feeling worse, which really was my case with the iboga. Like I was really glad I saw what I saw. I was really glad that I had the experience, but it was so intense. And then to not have any kind of integration support afterwards, I wasn't able to move forward in a totally new way like I could with the Ibogaine. So I think there was a lot of aspects of the Ibogaine, both the experience being more gentle, already having built on some of the insights I got from the Iboga so I didn't have to re-experience that trauma. But then the coaching after it just really helped me stay on track. It was so, so key. I hope that everybody who's having psychedelic experiences out there can have access to some level of integration support. Mm-hmm. I've heard before, you know, this idea that psychedelics are sort of like a doorway and it's up to you to walk through that doorway, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. what does that look like? That can be integration with a coach that can be changing your lifestyle and your habits and eating healthy and all these other pieces that can support the insights and the things that we learn while we're having these experiences. Yeah. And we're not supposed to heal by ourselves, you know, okay. like we need to heal in community. Mm-hmm. And even if you have like a primary partner or friends or whatever, like it's not really the same thing as having somebody who is just mm-hmm. holding that container for you. Here's your intention. Ideally, your integration coach has worked with the medicine that you've worked with. They know what you're going through. They know what your goals are. They know how you're like shifting the molecules of your being now post-experience and holding that for you. I'm just like such a huge fan of it. I think it's so important. Totally. And and a lot of the time conversations that happen in those settings are happening on a different level than they would with a friend or a family member because you're yeah. having a, you know, monetary exchange with this individual. You know, you're asking them to be like, give me a little bit of discipline. Help me out here. So. Yes. And it's not quite the same thing as therapy. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know people work with therapists too in ways that are super helpful. But this concept of coaching for me is, for me personally, that's what really works because it's more about, not about looking at the past and how did I get here? It's more about like, here I am, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Cool. Okay. 
So Kai, you mentioned to me that there were some unexpected things that occurred after your Ibogaine experience. You stopped using a couple of things, a couple of what happened to be my favorite things, but I'll let you, (laughs) I'll let you speak to that. Yes. I call them the three C's. I was very shocked because these are three of my favorite things, but I just found that I had an aversion, surprisingly, to coffee, chocolate, and cannabis after the Ibogaine experience. Not that I experienced any of those things as being an addiction or a crutch or in any way negative in my life. But for some reason, for many months, they just stopped being a part of my routine. They've all come back now, but actually in much smaller amounts. I can't really explain it, except that it was just something curious that I noticed. And I know that other people have had ibogaine experiences and then found that certain things they didn't expect just they no longer wanted so that was curious for me interesting and what was it like to sort of experience life without those things I mean to not have them in your mental space you know I imagine showing up in places where other people are consuming cannabis was that at all challenging when you weren't consuming cannabis or was it an easy thing for you to do I mean, I'm so used to being around people that are consuming things that I don't consume because of all my allergies and all my ways that I've had to be different my whole life. So that part is never an issue for me. I'm a vegan. I don't drink. Like I'm used to that. But I think what was interesting was I was like used to coffee for energy or I was used to Mm. cannabis to calm me down or I was used to probably chocolate for like a hit of dopamine or something. And I just have all that without it. Like I don't need cannabis to calm down anymore. I don't need coffee to energize me in the morning. If I have it, it's a choice. It's pleasurable. It's fine, but I don't need it. It's a big Mm. difference. Yeah. sounds like that attachment has sort of just broken off and now it's sort of when you're feeling inclined, it's there. Yes. I definitely used to have chocolate every single day and now I can go, I mean, I love chocolate. I have nothing against chocolate. It's just been interesting to notice. I can go mm-hmm. a week. I can go any any amount of time that I want. I don't have cravings anymore. I guess that's mm-hmm. what it is. Ibogaine yeah. does something with the experience of cravings in the brain, right? Sounds like you have a new relationship with these three C's. Yeah, yeah. You shared with me recently, and we just talked about this a few moments ago. I want to dig in a little bit deeper. You've said, I've just felt like I've had this new level of clarity, energy, and this new sharp focus on my mission Mm. and how I can best serve. Mm, I love that. Juicy. Now, I resonate with this so much because it's something that I also experienced coming home and sort of clearing the plate of projects (laughs) And then refining which ones resonated most with me and which ones I was sort of not into anymore. In what ways have you been able to refine your process and your focus? And how have the ways that you're serving shifted? Well, I haven't exactly cleared my plate of lots of projects. I still have a good number of projects. But, you know, what's interesting is... I realized when I would ask for advice sometimes about, oh, I have so many projects, I'm overwhelmed, this is pre-Ibogaine, people would say, well, you, you have to let go of stuff, like you're doing too much, you have to let go of things. And then after the Ibogaine and sort of in my new reality of figuring out how I can best serve, I'm realizing, no, I don't have to let go of things. I need 
a team. I need a big team. I have a big mission. I'm here to serve in a big way. Nobody tells Kevin Harrington he has to let go of things. I asked him when we were at Canada, like, how many projects do you have, Kevin? And he said, 25. And I was like, okay, I don't think anybody's telling him he has too many projects. So why do I have too many projects? I don't have too many projects. I maybe don't have a big enough team yet. So that was another, I think, realization for me that I don't have to play small. I actually feel like I've stepped more into my power since the Ibogaine because of this new level of clarity and energy. And then I've just been able to like attract in my team. And I'm still building my team, but some pretty amazing people have shown up to work with me on on things that I'm like really, really excited about. So I think it's so much of this energetic world that we live in is just a shift in energy. Everything is energy. And so shifting my own energy then brings the energetic matches into my field. That's like the quantum physics way of explaining what's happened. Thank you so much for that explanation. Yeah, seeing that too, that way that things fall away and the right things stay in place and the right people are drawn in. I really think it's a a beautiful realization as well that you don't have to play small and that powerful men working on many projects are not being asked to let go of those things. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Yeah. Kyle, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you about your experience with Ibogaine Mm. and with Aboga. And to really look at it like from a different perspective, you know, this biohacking, this upgrading and ultimately, yeah, engaging with a substance to refine your mission. (laughs) I Mm. think that's a really important sentiment. Is there anything else about Ibogaine that perhaps you'd like to share with folks who might be considering making the trip or having an experience with this medicine? Yeah. Well, first of all, just thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation. As I said, as a citizen scientist or, you know, guinea pig for psychedelics, on behalf of the mission, I have tried just about everything now. And Ibogaine is definitely my favorite. And so anytime that I have a chance to speak about this medicine, I really appreciate the opportunity to tell people, first of all, it's nothing to be afraid of. I think there's a lot of fear and misconception about Ibogaine being so powerful and so scary. But in my experience, it was super gentle, really beautiful, and just made me feel amazing. So I want to like demystify that myth that it has to be a harsh experience. I also really hope that everyone out there who knows anyone who's struggling with addiction will do whatever they can to get their loved ones to an Ibogaine treatment, because I don't think there's anything else on earth that works on addiction, especially with opiates, with no withdrawals so quickly and so effectively. And I went through my Ibogaine treatment with someone who was coming off of heroin. And just to see the remarkable change in him has been very profound. And then I've sent a number of people who've been dealing with similar addictions to have Ibogaine treatment, and they have also completely changed their lives around. So I just want everyone to know that this is an option. But then I also want people to know that it's not only for addiction, and that actually anyone who is looking to take the garbage out of their brain, and we all have trauma, you know, whether it's your own personal trauma or generational trauma, we all have trauma in our DNA. So I just feel like this is such a magical molecule and I would love as many people to experience it as possible. Thank you so much. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. 
And I can't wait to see what project you're working on next. And I hope the right team does come together for you, Kaya. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. You've been listening to Ibogaine Uncovered. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on Spotify and Apple, leave a review, or share it with your friends. This podcast is brought to you by Beyond and produced by Eamon Armstrong, mixed by Trevor Coulter, and edited by Ariel Villafane. Beyond is the world's premier network of medically-based Ibogaine treatment facilities for addiction, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Beyond's mission is to help people end chemical and behavioral dependency and to end the suicide epidemic with psychotherapeutic treatment and psychedelic plant medicine innovation. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute medical advice and does not necessarily reflect Beyond's views on mental health treatment or personal development. For inquiries and further information, please visit beyondibogaine.com and make an inquiry using the web form or email beyond at hello at beyondibogaine.com.